everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Ben, and today on our panel we have Ari, hello, and Tessa, hello. And our special guest for this episode is the amazing Pine Wu. Pine, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi everyone. I'm Pine. Yeah, I'm now currently in Shanghai, but previously I was working at Microsoft on Visual Studio Code. Uh, so I think for people in the Vue community, most of you know me probably on Vitter, the Vue tooling for VS Code. Yeah, so for me, I used to work on that in Microsoft and when I was in college, but now I've moved on and now I'm living a kind of nomadic life. Although I'm a little bit trapped by the COVID-19, so I cannot travel anywhere. But ideally, I would like to travel to different places and try to do open source. Uh, yeah, continue to contribute to Vitter. <sighs> That's amazing. Can you talk a little bit more about what a nomadic life in place is like? Yeah, I think basically nomadic life for me is basically being able to have a live in a place longer than if you were a tourist. So, for example, I wouldn't really want to do tourist things, touristy things by just going to a place and stay there for just a week. I would like to stay hopefully for three months. And if I were to go to a place, I would probably hope to learn the language. So in the past summer, I was planning to go to Russia to learn Russian, but that couldn't happen because of the COVID-19 situation. Yeah, hopefully it will end soon and then I can travel again. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Microsoft to just traveling the world is, is a big change. And we talked a little bit about a blog post you wrote about it in a previous episode. But I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that a bit more and like what's new since then. Oh, yeah, sure. So what's new is that I get a lot more free time to focus on my own learning because I feel if you're at a company, a lot of the times, if you're to learn, you would be required to learn like new technologies or new web stuff. It's not like you get time to learn other stuff. Like I spend time to learn letterpress. I spend time to learn a little bit watercolor. Uh, I spend a lot of time reading books. I felt like if you're in a company setting, usually you're not given enough time to do that because usually every day when you go back home, it's almost already very late. So yeah, for me, I kind of like I said, yeah, every day I want I want you to spend more time to read books, to read papers, and to do some kind of like fun projects as compared to like spending every day doing company projects. And I felt like I have saved up enough money to support myself for a while. So I said, yeah, like, why don't I just try it? Because now I'm still young and I can still try. I felt if I grow older, I would have a lot of like, you know, probably family responsibility and other stuff. So I wouldn't really be as free to do this kind of nomadic life, but now I'm yeah, I can still do that. We're just silent because we're so amazed that you can fit so much into one life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I felt not too much. So for example, like, yeah, I felt like, I don't know, after college, I just went straight to Microsoft and then I went to quit Microsoft and then start to travel. I could have done a lot more. Like, so for example, I was planning to apply to graduate school and then if possible, I would like to do MFA, like Master of Fine Arts or something. I felt like I want to try different things rather than just, you know, stereotypical programmer's track because I felt other things interest me much more than programming does. I have to ask, Pine, what would you get an MFA in? I think probably graphic design because that's something that I'm really interested in. And I think if you look through the history of graphic design, technology like paves the ways for a lot of the new ways of design and new concepts that are, are coming up. So for example, I don't know if you know a person called, I don't know, I think he's 
tech short name is MRMRS, and he's doing something called component AI or something. I think those things are just like there are just so many new technology advances that can make design like better, or cooler, or more consistent, or more user friendly. So I think that's something I would like to do. So use technology as a kind of tool behind the graphic design. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it sounds super yep. cool. Wow. <laughs> I Another? feel like I'm aiming low in life. <laughs> <laughs> not really, not really. I think everybody here probably does a great job. So I know, Ben, you work at GitLab and uh, so you're working for web development. And Ari, I don't know much about you, but I heard you are doing UI UX. Is that correct? That is correct. About to start a new job, though. It's very exciting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And by the time this episode comes out, so technically I'm not at GitLab and not at Cypress. By the time this comes out. By the time this comes out, uh, yeah, I'm with Netlify. I'll be with Netlify this time. Oh, you're with Netlify now. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, just very casually, that you know you happen to create Vitor, which I think has something like how many, like five point five million on at least according to VisualStudio.com. Yeah, I think that's a lot of people. Yeah, just you know, just 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 a few million, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I never expected a, it when I started. <laughs> and so, for for those who are like, like, what would you describe? Like, what is Vitor for those who you know might not have learned? Because believe it or not, there are people who have never used it before, even though there are so many people. What is Vitor? How would you describe it to people? Mm, okay, first I would say Vitor is an Icelandic word that stands for winter. I did not know that. <laughs> like that, that is okay. so fascinating. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Okay, sure. Okay, so maybe if you are more interested in the alternative history of Vitor than the actual Vitor. So, but basically, I like the. There was a sound that I really liked. It's by Kano Yoko, so called Von. So Von stands for hope in Icelandic. So basically, there was an anime, and then there was this song called Yavon, and then it talks about bitter, and I like this word very much, and it also starts with B. So I really want you to find a word that starts with B, and that's really unique. So I just picked this name and then went for it. Wait, so which anime was it in? Thank you, no, Tokyo, thank you. I, uh, I think the English is Tarot in Resonance. I can send you the link. It's called Tarot, Tarot in Resonance, this one. Yeah, but I know that Japanese thank you no tell all. <laughs> okay, okay, I should get back to the topic. So basically for <laughs> Vitor <laughs> Sorry for the yeah, yeah, sorry no, for the aside. We love tangents. <laughs> I mean anime is very on brand for view, is what I've heard. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, because I heard each version comes with an anime title. Yeah. Rep one piece represent. Yeah, so basically for Victor I think there are two parts. Yeah, so in general, it's tooling support for view, single file components. And it has two parts, basically a syntax highlighting grammar for view files, and then basically the language server side for view files. So um, for people who don't know, if you are editing a TypeScript or JavaScript or in Visual Studio Code, and you see, oh, after you press a dot, you see a lot of auto completions of properties. Those are powered by what's called a language server. And the language server basically analyze the whole code base, break your code into uh, abstract syntax trees, analyze them, and then give you some auto-completion, give you diagnostic errors when you are writing something wrong. So Viter basically does that for view files, because for TypeScript files, 
TypeScript people already have this server that can support them, but then they don't support view files. So what I did was extending the TypeScript language server to support view support view files. And for view files, I think yeah, a lot of the functionalities. I think the most popular functionalities are just auto completion and diagnostic errors. But I think now I have expanded later into other areas. So for example, now I have a CLI that you check errors from the CLI that you can maybe integrate that into your continuous integration system so that you can check for errors. So I think it's a, yeah, in short, it's just a hodgepodge of tooling for this view that hopefully hopefully contains everything you ever need and you don't need to install any other extension. I mean, I switched to VS Code just for Vitor, so you obviously did something right. Okay, yeah, sure. Because I feel like it basically contains everything. So for example, if you just talk about formatter, I have like six different formatters that allows you to configure it totally like in any way you want. So I, I remember when people want Prettier to support view and then Prettier was like, oh, hey, we don't really want to do that. And then there are only one option we're going to offer you. But then in Vitor, you can already use six formatters for each section that you want. So we basically have, you know, all the formatters that's available on the on the market. We even have a pub formatter recently because yeah, there is a pub formatter. So we bundled that. Amazing. So basically any like the developer experience that we know and love in VX Code, you can thank Pine for basically helping to spearhead this amazing initiative, which we are all, I'm sure, immensely grateful for. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad to know that it helps people because basically I think I love creating tooling to help people and I feel I don't know like I felt I always felt obliged if I were to create a tool that helps people from all over the world and makes them more productive or make them happy so sometimes I do receive thank you emails and stuff and that makes me really happy I will say being in open source a lot of people they tend to file issues and stuff when they have problems and it leads to just a lot of complaining so yes like if you have a word of compliment it goes a long way for open source maintainers. So um, I think you hit it on the head there, Pine. So what inspired you? Did you just wake up one day and be like, I wish there was this thing for Vue? Or like, what, how did you find Vue? And then how did you come to make Vitor? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I was in my last year of college and I was like, you know, um, not really sure what to do. And then I really liked Vue. I, I have to say I started with React. I was a very early React uh, like developer. Like probably I started using it when I was when it was in zero point off. Then I didn't really like it, and then I was like I switched to Vue because the documentation is so much better and it's so much more accessible and approachable. So I kind of like yeah, I just started Vue, and then at that time I was using Sublime Text, and I felt like yeah, the it, it it's working well. And then there is also a new tool from Microsoft called Visual Studio Code that's coming out. I think that was also very early. So I tried that and I liked it, but it doesn't really have view support. And then I was looking at the Sublime support and I felt the syntax highlighting has like something missing like, because for a lot of the properties and stuff, it doesn't really highlight them correctly. So I sent a little bit of PR to there. And then I think Evan accepted those PRs. But then later I said, oh, I want to code view in Visual Studio Code because I felt I like the editor a lot. So I just ported the types grammar over for people who don't know much about the text-made grammars, basically Sublime Text uses text-made grammars to do some highlighting, and the VS Code also uses that. So it's 
basically really easy. I just copied over the grammar and made it work on Vitor. So basically just copy paste and then the zero zero one just went up and then people liked it. Yeah, that's how it started. So it has a really humble beginning, basically just only syntax highlighting, but none of the intelligent features. Yeah, but then later I realized, oh, there's something cool about the language server. And then people really want the auto-completion to work at least because that helps you so much when you're coding. So what I did was I just basically, again, copied over what VS Code had for HTML support and modded it a little bit to support view. Yeah, more or less it worked. And yeah, that's how it started. And initially it wasn't really popular, but I think Evan did something like tweeted it in the, on Twitter and then he tweeted that in the Chinese view community. And then he kind of like started repo. So I think overnight I had like 200 stars and I, I probably didn't really sleep for the next like two days because I was so happy you <laughs> received such huge popularity. But but now it has so many stars, I don't really mind now. But then at that time being followed by yeah, being followed and being retweeted by Evan and then you know like you get you suddenly get like two hundred followers and then uh, like five hundred stars. It felt amazing. Yeah, that's how it started. I will say though, I don't it doesn't sound to me like the beginning the Vitor were humble at all. Just the creator is being very humble about what is like <laughs> a huge feat. Though I feel slightly better knowing that there was a lot of copy paste involved. <laughs> okay. Man, he just looked up syntax highlighting on Stack Overflow. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because I felt initially I felt it's just so much copy and pasting. I don't really feel I own too much credit because I own credit to uh, events. He wrote a syntax highlight grammar. And then someone from the Code team wrote HMS support. So I, I just modded a little bit. Although in the past few years, I have modded so far away that I no longer track upstream changes. I just make my own changes to the HML part. Yeah, but initially I felt like, I don't know, it's just a simple thing that anybody can do. So I, I, I do feel like it's not really too much to talk about, although now it has become so popular. It, it's beyond my imagination. I couldn't really imagine there are millions of people or at least when I was at VS Code, there was an internal dashboard showing how many active users I have. And I think now it's almost like 1 million, although the download is 5 million because some people download this like multiple times. But I could have never imagined how popular it has gone. Yeah. So switching tacks for a moment, because everybody's laughter rem- reminds me, like, Pine, I feel like your talks are some of the funniest and most engaging talks that I've seen. So like... I want to hear okay. all your secrets. Like, why are you so funny? <laughs> how, how do you make a talk? I don't know. I felt that I just really want to be sincere when talking. So sometimes, like, I know people have certain social norms or certain you know, things that they don't really want to talk about in a straightforward way. I try to just talk about them in a sincere and straightforward way because I thought some people are like, yeah, lots of times. They, they feel constrained by the, yeah, this is something I shouldn't say or not supposed to say. But if I, something is right, I, I just got to say it. So I, you know, I just try to make very sincere statement, although sometimes they might, you know, not make certain people happy, but they're how I really feel. And I feel that makes it much easier to resonate with my audience because lots of times these are their true feelings. They would rather hear it not really covered through some sugar coat or stuff like yeah that's that's just how i talk and i think a lot of people like that so i just continue to speak in that way it's both a really powerful message and it also reminds me of like 
in a previous episode, we were talking about how the talk topic kind of seemed like it was veering into like if there was a documentation anime, then it would be like the heart of the docs. And now I feel like we've just gotten to like the heart of the talks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tessa. Your spirit will shine through and move the speakers. They'll be like, ah, (laughs) kandoshita. Anyway. So speaking of your talks, I think the last time I saw you speak, you presented a really cool looking rapid prototyping tool. And I'm curious what happened there. Uh, and if that's something you still plan on releasing in the future someday. Yeah, I do plan because basically it's like my whole passion and it's what I really want to build Vitor into. So long story short, I think Vitor, I want you to be a really solid tool for professional view developers so that they can rely on it. Some of the latest features such as prop type validation, I think really help people to build the large scale view applications. But for me, as a programmer, a lot of times I don't really enjoy work. Like my passion is not writing enterprise level or large scale view apps. My interest is more in the expressive side of coding. So for example, one of the links I linked was Tyler Hobbs exploration and how to do generative watercolor. And uh, I think that's one of the most amazing thing I have seen in well in the internet. And I just felt like, yeah, I want to do stuff that helps people express themselves or try new ideas instead of saying, okay, this type validation or this works so that, you know, this interface is there so I can use this component very safely. I think there is a benefit to safety and uh, being able to build large scale stuff. But then alternatively, what I really want to build is something that's of a very low friction so that people can easily try or build their ideas out and uh, i still want to do that so basically i think i first gave a presentation to prone which is how i pronounce it so initially when i was starting in 2017 i think a lot of the technologies was not there i made it working okay but not really to the level that i really hoped it could be but i think recently there are a lot of like stuff that has come together so for example es build which is really cool compiler for TypeScript and JavaScript and it's really, really fast. And then there is ECMAScript module that's already in the browser. And then there is the VS Code Notebook API, which allows you to kind of like open a document in a notebook format. So I think I want to combine this concept together and then try to build something of these latest technologies and uh, APIs as compared to just reviving an old idea that I had in 2017. I could have just released the old version and then just, you know, made some people like it. But I felt if I were to do something incomplete, I would rather try to do something complete and then something that I that I personally think I have hold it up to my standard. Yeah, I'm kind of sorry for people that I have talked to because I know it gets some people interested and intrigued and then they really want to try it. But I think the real world situation is that if I were to release it, I, I am afraid it wouldn't live up to certain people's expectations. So I kind of like, I hold off to that. If I, if I were to release that, I might get too many feature requests and issues and then I have to spend a lot of time to fix that. But now looking back, I probably should have just released it and then made continuous improvement since then rather than just holding it back. But now I think, yeah, recently after doing Bitter, I'm developing that project and trying to continue to do it further. That's super exciting. I think the first time I heard about your prototyping tool was the very first ViewConf US in 
New Orleans. I think you gave us a little presentation on it, right? Yeah, basically, I didn't really get it to a really good state before the conference. Even like a week before that, I was still hacking on that tool. I felt it was pretty cool, and it's a kind of message that I want to convey to people. So I kind of like bring brought it up to the stage because I felt like Vitor, like I don't know, it it helps people build a large scale view apps where it's really reliable tool. But what I really want to do is something. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Spread Vectors work. So basically, he has a video called Building on Principle. And I think that's like where a lot of my inspirations come from. So he was just talking about, hey, in games and uh, other kind of media, you create tools that allow certain ways of developing. And basically, that brings out certain features or media or effects that's not really in other ways, it's not possible because you don't have the necessary tools to build them. So I kind of like, I want to build something as cool as that, but then I didn't really get to that point. I showed a brief demo and I think I promised a lot of people I would give access to them. I showed them the source code and then, <laughs> and then I totally failed on that. I'm so sorry about that, but I think I'm trying to pick it up again. Because when you're in a corporate environment, I don't think you have too much time to devote to side projects. And uh, maintaining better outside work is already a lot for me. But recently, I have more time and creative energy. So I think I'm going to put that into that project. I still like that project. I hope I can finally release it sometime this year. Nice. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of when we had Henry on the show a month ago, maybe. He was talking about Ivan Illich's tools for conviviality. and. It- kind of seem to overlap with that topic of how the tools can shape the way that society behaves. So Interesting. I had a talk with him before as well. So we were just in Seattle. So we yeah had a short coffee chat. I don't know. I think to respond a little bit to your comment, because I felt basically tools does shape the way that you think about certain stuff. So I think I was watching a presentation by Alan Kay, and he was talking about, hey, Without microscope, you're unable to work with bacteria. Without telescope, you're unable to work with galaxies. So it's only with these tools can you perceive certain things and understand certain things and be able to put forward certain concepts and thoughts. So I do think, yeah, tools do shape the way that people think. I, I think that's something that you can only look in retrospective. And I think now Vita has been there for many years. So I, I think now... I really want to study how it has affected the way that people learn and develop view and then maybe, you know, find ways to push the boundary and make it simpler for people to use view or learn view if I can do certain features. So that's the kind of direction I'm pushing for. Yeah, like in uh, Understanding Comics, they kind of talk about how you tools are like an extension of your arm, which I guess is an extension of your mind. But there's definitely an adjustment period before that, right, where you have to get used to the tool. And at that point, it feels very foreign so i feel like now it's at the point where like feature has become a part of your body that just went weird <laughs> and so now you can think of like new possibilities maybe yeah i think so i'm I, i'm definitely looking for new ways to make Vitor better but i think i first have to get some of the basic stuff right so for example now i sell the performance i can get it to my much better stage and i sell for some of the features so for example for being able to rename a property certain stuff that's something i really want to get done but i never had time to finish so just to you know give you context so now let's say you have a button component that has a type property and it's of type something like a string and you want to make it something else 
And then basically, after you change that, I think there would be a lot of errors in your whole application because there are probably 100 places that use that button, but then they're not updated. You have to go through them manually, and then there's no way to do that. So for example, I want to do a rename where you can kind of like just, okay, say, I want to rename this type to something else. And then after you press that, it updates everything on your code base. Yeah, so those are the kind of things I'm kind of also looking for. I think what I want to do is that, although I want to push Victor towards the boundary to, you know, do a lot of the lofty things so you know, helping people to shape up their thoughts. I also want to make it really solid for the people who use it as a driver because I know a lot of people like rely on Vitor in their work. So I don't really want to let those people down. And that's a wrap for this episode. Tune in next week when we chat about Pine's process for coming up with new ideas and how to learn new things. <laughs>